Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I hope you're having a great day today. My guest today is fantastic, Dr. Santor Nishisaki. He is a millennial and Gen Zer enthusiast. He's a speaker, author, advisor, trainer, and thought leader. He's the founder and CEO of Mulholland Consulting Group, where he is committed to helping companies create happier workplaces and increase generational awareness. And he's also a strength finder coach, which we talk a little bit about. I met him through my publisher, Amplified Publishing. His book is getting ready to be released later this year. And uh, and they told me, oh, you have to meet him. And they were right. We share so much in common and so much um, of our philosophies are the same as well. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Santor. All right, I'm back everyone with Santor Nishisaki, and I am so excited that you're here today, Santor. Can't wait to jump in and talk about Gen Z and the workplace and culture. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's so great to see you again, and I just love all the stuff you're doing uh, within your organization. So excited to, to chat. Thank you, thank you. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into studying millennials and Gen Zers and and their impact in the workplace. Definitely. So, how much time do we have on this podcast? No, just kidding. I'll give you the short story. So, um, I remember I was getting my doctorate in organizational leadership, and one of the guest speakers uh, in my class was from a Fortune 100 company. And someone asked him and said, hey, what's the biggest challenge you're seeing in your organization right now in human resources? And he said, having four generations get along and work together in the workplace. And I said, wow, that's a thing? And uh, they said, yes. So I decided to change my dissertation topic. And I saw this within my organizations that I've worked for is the younger workers uh, getting in arguments with the older workers based on when you clock in, you know, a lot of the times we've seen older workers say that, you know, you're not working unless you're at your desk. When, as we've seen during the pandemic, right, Carrie, uh, depends on what you do, but it's basically you're working if you're getting things done, right? It's not just sitting at your desk, surfing the internet. So, um, I ended up studying millennials. I wrote my dissertation on millennial work environment preferences, and then, I had the opportunity to work overseas uh, from 2015 to mid 2016. Came back, and I, as I'm also a college professor, and I noticed my students were a little bit different, a lot more serious, more quiet. And I said, ah, "What's going on here?" And I showed them Simon Sinek's "Millennials in a Workplace" video, and they uh, they related to it. And I said, oh, I don't think this is millennials, some of the stuff, but I think this is Gen Z because of the impact of technology and smartphones. So I said, you know what? I think Gen Z is here early. So I decided to write my book on how to work with Gen Z, which comes out later this year, early next year. So, so that's it in a yeah, nutshell. <laughs> so what is it that you found? Like, what's the big difference between millennials and Gen Zers? Well, so not everyone under 40 is a millennial. Right. So I know a lot of people say, oh, those millennials is like, you can't say that anymore. Right. Because there, there is a split. So you know, millennials are a lot more. They do care about purpose. Right. And I think I like starting kind of carry a little bit about what's in common. Right. With Gen Z and millennials. Yeah. They both care about. Okay. Yeah. Let's start they, there. Well, I, I'm a strength finder coach. Right. I love talking about the positives and what we have in common. But um, I'd say. 
they both care about purpose and impact, but Gen Z, as far as differentiating a little bit, um, they actually really care about the environment. Not to say millennials don't, but that's like their number one concern outside of racism, right? Um, so th there's recent studies out there that say racism is one of the biggest concerns for Gen Z. So they're super optimistic, though, about the world of helping to make it a better place. But the environment is... <laughs> I mean, millennials care about the environment, but I'll tell you this, Carrie. There was a report that came out right after the pandemic happened. It was like uh, May of June of 2020. And their number one concern during the pandemic, when everyone's freaking out, we didn't have vaccines yet, was the environment still. Compared to millennials, the number one concern was healthcare, right? And the, the pandemic, and then it was the environment. So it just kind of shows you how important that is. And as organizations, the best thing you could do to re recruit them, retain them is to make sure that you're managing your carbon footprint because this is really important to them. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, this is a great timing. I'm working on uh, building out our sustainability roadmap. Perfect. For us, we're not a huge carb, uh, impact on uh, carbon footprint, but we serve a dirty industry, mm -hmm. right? Industrial cleaning equipment, cleans re refineries and and, and chemical plants and things like that. So, you know, I'm looking at, at my sustainability roadmap in terms of uh, water consumption, right? Yeah. We use high pressure water to clean. So how do we, how do we transition um, to other cleaning methods or really efficient use of water or cleaning with dirty water? So anyway, I'm building out the sustainability roadmap. How important do you think it is to um, be able to talk about that in your recruiting process for Gen Zers of like, here is a sustainability roadmap and here's what it means to you. Very important. And to make sure that the person who's talking about it knows what they're talking about <laughs> to make sure it's mm -hmm. not just lip service, right? Gen Z is very good yeah. on calling BS and they might make a TikTok about it, right? <laughs> or, or tag you on social media. <laughs> so, but I think that's so important, Carrie, for the listeners out there yeah. to make sure, and I love that you're doing that and making sure that you know how to communicate and say, hey, we care about the environment. We're trying to make the world a better place. You know, even if we're producing X, Y, Z widgets, right? Um, from the beginning to end, we're trying to help uh, eliminate the harm we're doing to the planet. Yeah, good. All right. What else do leaders need to understand about the similarities and differences between millennials <laughs> and, and Gen Zers? Well, I'd say uh, definitely diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging, right, is a new one we've been hearing about a lot is, is so important to this generation. And if you say, you know, a lot, Carrie, I don't know how many core values you've seen, right, to say, oh, we care about diversity, equity, especially in the past year or two, right? A lot of people have been putting on there, but they don't have any diversity, equity, <laughs> equity inclusion yeah. within the organization. Gen Z is going to, they're going to call you out for that too, right? So making sure, and that's very important to millennials as well, but uh, Gen Z, is, uh, it's it's crucial, right? A lot of my data that we did for, um, for our book is we found that, that that's an important component of working there. So- uh, yeah. That's, that's a big one. Yeah, I like that. You know, we've um, we've really taken the approach at Stone Age of Belonging mm -hmm. because it is so inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. It's about welcoming in and much like what you just said, right? I want to start with looking at where things are, where, we, where we're similar, not where we're different. Yeah. And so much of the diversity training and useful and meaningful and real, but it points out differences. And so we we focused on um, on belonging and really creating that space for everybody to be able to share their individual stories so that we can see how we connect. And we just did a session during Pride Week where we had three of um, of our LGBTQ 
TQ um, community members or employees come and, and share their stories. And oh my God, it was one of the most impactful things that we've done as a company because people ask us anything, like anything, ask us whatever you want. There's nothing that's going to offend us. Uh, even if it's, you know, one of those questions like, you know, who's the man and who's the wife in the relationship, which drives everybody crazy uh, and is so like obtuse and stupid. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, happens. And afterwards, our employees were like, like elated with this sense of feeling connected and understanding, even though the conversation was uncomfortable, so incredibly powerful. And I think that is a really key thing to this, especially for companies who don't know where to get started, right? Yeah. This is very important to Gen Zers and you are going to have to address it. It's the right thing to do for you know humanity. But, um, you know, that's a really good place to be able to start without having to um, to go down these, these places that, that maybe create more divisiveness rather than that inclusion and feeling like everybody belongs here. You know, would you agree with that? I definitely do. And I, you know, hats off to your team for doing that type of event. And, um, it's just, you're going to see with millennials and Gen Z, one of the things they have in common is we've seen, even with Gen Z, uh, Gallup came out with a study recently saying that, I think it was 20% identify as part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So if organ what you did, right, is such a, a great thing uh, to have a create a culture of belonging. So if if someone was part of that community, I think they would they would feel, you know, more welcome. And then we only learn, right, through not we only learn through knowledge, right? And these experiences and exposing ourselves to these experiences, whether we have or not in our life. So really important to millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, I think it comes down to that that idea of stories, right? We all have a story mm -hmm. and it's so easy to put people in boxes, right? Mm -hmm. You are this, therefore you are this. And that just takes away the power of our own individual unique experiences that have shaped who we are as people. And so that's what I think it's really important business leaders need to do is find ways for employees to be able to share those stories with each other, especially across generations, right? Because you're right. We do have, I have four generations working in my business too. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a, a, a gen uh, Xer, which, you know, is you know, the best. No, I'm just <laughs> we don't want to forget about Gen X, right, Carrie? I feel like, yeah, millennials. Everybody yeah, millennials, so boomers. Yeah, everyone's talking about it. Went from like baby boomers to like millennials, right? So we don't, you know, we don't <laughs> want to steal Gen X's thunder. And they're the ones who are running companies now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, um, but you know, that we do have that broad four generation <clears throat> employee base. Mm -hmm. And if we can connect those, especially baby boomers with Gen Zers, right? Yeah. And help them really understand each other. It's so important and it's going to be important for businesses because obviously we've got baby boomers who are making significant decisions for our country right now that are going to impact the lives of Gen Zers and, you know, the next generation, my son's generation, yeah. whatever. Gen, I think Gen Alpha, it. maybe they might, that's Gen what Alpha, we're looking yeah, at. I yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And how do you bridge that gap so that we don't have more divisiveness in this, in this country. And leaders are really going to have to figure out how to do that within their businesses, yeah. because, um, we've got to teach people how, how to have these types of conversations with each other across generations when so much is changing 
between those those span of four generations. Well, and I think too, Carrie, you know, we don't want to stereotype, right? I mean, I've heard Carrie, <laughs> some of my baby boomer friends that say, Santa, you can't be a millennial. You're not lazy. And I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and everything that I'm saying today is these are just general themes that we've seen, but you might have uh, some baby boomers that are more, I've worked with baby boomers that are more tech savvy than me. Right. So we don't, first thing is we don't want to stereotype. We want to look at, we're all human beings. And I think one way to really connect across generations is the purpose and mission of your organization, right? I think we can all agree on that. One of the things that I've done, right, with my company is using the Gallup Strain Finder Assessment, which is, you and I have talked about that before, right? It's just great because we all have something special to bring to the table, and that really cuts across the generational friction when we speak in the language of uh, strengths, so... Yep, totally agree. So maybe just for listeners who aren't familiar with it, why don't you sure. tell a little bit about what the Strengths Finder is and why it is so impactful for leaders to use? Yeah, with Gallup, uh, they had they created the Strength Finder assessment, the Clifton Strength Finder assessment. It's over twenty million people have taken it, and uh, essentially, it's built around what's right about you. I, you know, Myers Briggs. I think Carrie, we've talked about DISC as well. DISC is another great one. But the the strength finder really celebrates what what's right about you, and um, it's been powerful. I do a lot of workshops with executives on teams, and I think this is a tool I found that's able to cut through generational friction. So if I'm talking to a baby boomer, I could talk in a language of one of their strengths, and they'll we could connect that way. Uh, so and yeah. you could take it on Gallup's website. It's like twenty bucks, right, for the top five uh, your top five strengths. And I've done this a lot with my college students; they love it. And it's all the way up to the PhD level. So it's a key component of the classes that I teach. So then once you know your strengths mm-hmm. and your your team's strengths, then how do you put it into practice? So that's part of you know what we do in the workshop is, okay, it's like a muscle, right? You have to exercise it. So you have to be aware. A lot of this stuff, like, oh, yeah, I know that about me, but how much do you consciously do in it, right? It's about, it's almost like mindfulness, right, Karen? I know you're into mindfulness, right, mm-hmm. as well. So being mindful of using your strengths is is really helpful. And and when you talk, so when I go talk to someone, let's say I have a meeting with them, I look up their strengths before <laughs> I have a meeting with them. And I'm going to say things that are good trigger words, right, about what what's going to make them excited. You could see when people's eyes open up, like, ooh, you know, tell me more about that, right, when you're talking to them in, in a language that they understand. And, and whether it be baby boomer, Gen Z, or a millennial, it doesn't really matter because if you're talking to them in the language of something they're interested in, and that's where we get our energy from, is when we do get to do things that we're good at. Uh, it's been able to help me tremendously as as I've you know led teams throughout my career. Yeah. So the most powerful book that I ever read in my very beginning journey as CEO was First Break All the Rules. Yep which prefaced uh, them coming out with the Strengths Finder and, you know, continuing that work. But um, it totally changed the way that I thought about myself uh, as a leader. It helped me understand why I excelled in some of the jobs that I had prior to coming to Stone Age and why I failed miserably, the one <laughs> that I left right before coming to Stone Age. And, um, and we set up our whole employee recognition and performance review process around the 12 questions of employee engagement and really, yeah, yep. And really trying to help people understand what their strengths were so that we could put them in the right roles so that they could excel. And I love the idea of, you know, how much more powerful it is to work on your strengths because then you can become exceptional. Whereas if you are constantly just trying to get better at things that you're weak at, 
the best you're ever going to be is mediocre. And like, who wants to be mediocre? And that really resonated with me. So that's just woven throughout everything that we do at Stone Age because it's such a powerful insight. Well, and Carrie, it really shows the need for diversity, right? If you say, hey, this person has this strength, but I'm weak here, right? They like doing that. They love going into the weeds. I hate the weeds, right? <laughs> Let's give that to someone. And then they, we could compliment each other, right? So if you look at it from a diversity of strengths, uh, aspect. It's huge, right? And I love that you're doing that within your organization because we get so much more energy when we're happy and we get to do what we love rather than it's like, oh, I have to do all this paperwork. Some people love pay Do you like paperwork, Carrie? I don't know. Or do you know anyone that does? I, I don't like paperwork, but I I, I, yeah. <laughs> I I hire people who love paperwork, right? Or who like doing it and they find it calming. So it's 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 great to have that type of partnership. And I'm I'm so glad to hear your organization and this is probably why you've been able to grow it to what you did today, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's a really important aspect and and you know, tying it back to you know where we were going earlier yeah, in the conversation around yeah, generations and diversity and and you know, there's so many different ways to be able to look at at, at diversity, diversity through generations mm -hmm. and then obviously through the through the lenses that we that we usually do, but diversity of thought and diversity of strengths, like what a really powerful thing to be able to showcase within your organization to highlight the the you know, the the things where we are similar and then the things where we can help each other because we are so different too. So I love that diversity of strengths. And and Carrie, it's great, right? It's like the ultimate leadership hack, right? So how do leaders go about the process of hiring and recruiting Gen Zers? I mean, is there a different way that they should be looking at it? How they write their job descriptions, how they go about the recruiting process? Yes. So we found that Gen Zers and a lot of the research out there found that Gen Zers like a customized individual process. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I've seen, Carrie, as I've done a lot of keynotes to clients, I've noted they come up to me afterwards, usually the HR recruiters and say, hey, you know, this is the first time I've seen this in my career where I'm getting ghosted. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, they don't show up for the interview. Uh, they don't show up for the first day of work. They even accepted an offer and didn't show up. Uh, so that's something to be aware of and making sure that you, you know, do better than your competitors by checking in with them. I mean, Carrie, I remember one of my first corporate gigs that I got or corporate jobs uh, in my career, I didn't hear back from them for like three or four months. <laughs> I mean, I got the job, but it was, you know, you, they want that constant check. It could, you could util, utilize technology, right? Utilize automation and do send text messages. Hey, just checking in. We care about you, right? Uh, you know, we're in the process. Please be patient because they don't understand how long it takes. Large organizations, it takes forever. Sometimes even just to get the headcount approved, right? So yeah. it's, so just make sure to, to check in often and then customize when they come in, actually do a good job on onboarding. Give them a gift certificate to Ikea and say, hey, you know, or to decorate the cubicle. How cool would that be? Right. And, and actually have the laptop ready to go. I remember I worked for organizations where the laptop wasn't ready for a week or two. And it's like you really couldn't put enough effort into making sure that everything was ready. So already they're thinking about running for the exit. And then as far as recruiting, going back to your question, what does your TikTok look like? What does your Instagram look like? What does your website look like? Is it authentic? Um, so if you don't even have a presence on TikTok, that to me, I see as an issue. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. 
Very good advice. I just joined TikTok and I was like, I am too old for this. <laughs> it, it, but it invades the senses, right? Carrie, you're like, oh my God. I remember the first time I listened. I, I, uh, yeah, because I have my marketing team, right? They, they help with my TikTok. And it's, I remember the first time downloading the app and p pulling it up. I was like, oh my, this is so loud, <laughs> which made me feel really old for about, about 15 seconds. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm with you. I figured it out now. And I, Actually, because I make a lot of like leadership clip videos yeah. and I actually love their video making system. It's so good. But I did. I think a lot of people are intimidated by it. Yeah. Right. So I was like, OK, well, as a I've got millennials and Gen Zers on my marketing team who are comfortable with it. But I was like, OK, well, if I'm going to be that kind of leader that attracts, which I do, I want the minds of of millennials and Gen Zers on, on the team because they're going to be the ones who really help us solve some of these tough, tough problems. I got to figure out how to attract them. Yeah. And so as I get on TikTok and I can only like scroll through TikTok for maybe like two minutes out of the time before I'm just like, Phew. and I don't always get everything, but like my son loves it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, it's just really interesting to like start to learn about the way that they, that, that, that Gen Zers use technology and communicate. And I think, you know, that's an important aspect. And I want to ask you about that because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I just don't get that generation, right? And and don't necessarily get on Instagram or get on TikTok to start to to be able to get it. Like, how important do you think it is for a leader to do that? I think, Carrie, you're doing the right things. I think that's so smart because you're seeing, hey, uh, this is where that you have to meet people where you're at. If you're a leader, right? And so from our conversations yeah. before, it sounds like you're the type of person that will go out to the factory floor, or talk to the, go down to the people right. and talk to them, right? That's what the CEO should be doing and finding out what's happening. That's why I'm on TikTok. I don't really use it for leisure. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but I'm trying to, my next book that I'm writing is a how-to guide for first time and emerging leaders. You know, my podcast is called the Zillennial Leader. Uh, so I, I provide the same type of stuff that you're doing as leadership advice for people who are in college. A lot of the stuff my my college students ask me, I post videos on TikTok because I know that's where they're at, right? I'd rather just post it on LinkedIn, but a lot of people, are, a lot of the younger folks um, may not use LinkedIn as much as we would, right? So I'm just trying to meet them where they're at. So as leaders listening, I think you have to meet them where they're at. That's And that goes to everything in uh, in the business with within what's being feasible, right? If you're like the CEO of Pepsi, it might be harder to get to the factory floor, but I still think that's important, right? To talk, yeah. listening to the people on the ground is really important. Totally agree. So, how do you take the the research that you you know this research and everything you learned from writing your book and apply it into your own company? As far as that, well, making sure that I'm not a hypocrite and I listen to, <laughs> I get onto TikTok, right? So my company is, you know, it's not too big, right? It's, uh, you know, we have a team of consultants, but um, I'll tell you this, Carrie, that's a great point. My my marketing team is is actually very young and the way I see it is it's all about performance, right? Uh, my, my CMO is amazing and he's in his 20s and I, to me, age doesn't really matter, right? It's all about what you do. And I think not judging people based on years of experience, because I've worked with people who have 20 or 40, 30 years of experience and uh, someone in their 20s could do better, right? It just kind of depends on uh, what your outcome is and then get and what their attitude is. That's another thing too. If, if someone has a great attitude, I'd rather work with them rather than if they don't have as much experience, rather than someone who has a lot of experience, but is hard to work with. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can teach, you can teach skills, but you, get, you can't teach attitude. Yeah. That's a tough one. It is right. And, but then, you know, as a, just as a leadership lesson, right, Carrie is 
finding out what the root cause of the attitude is because you, you always you can't just get rid of people right when you take over a team so you know maybe they got slighted by a manager 15 years ago and they don't trust management and so getting to the root cause of that and, and finding out why is always important yeah. so uh, i agree you know i just did a uh i just do so self-leadership we have three values at stone age be a great teammate practice self-leadership and deliver on the Stone Age Assurance Promise, which is our 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 commitment to our customers. Mm -hmm. So we're three easy things, right? Team, self, and and bigger picture, right? Bigger impact. Um, but I just did. I've been doing a training around what does um, what does cultivating self leadership within yourself look like, and how do you role model it for other people? Because we're all learning from each other. We're all mirroring each other. And I think that's a really important aspect of this, no matter what age you are, but especially if you are a, um, a, a Gen Zer looking to come into a leadership position, that whole concept of self-leadership, like we're doing it every single day, whether we're intentional about it or not, yeah. right? We're leading ourselves. And so I just went into this whole, you know, the whole premise behind self-leadership and how you really practice it. Uh, as you are, as you are growing um, in in your journey as a self leader, whether that's an individual contributor or an actual you know leadership position within a company, and I think that we don't do enough talking about that, right? Mm -hmm. That you have the responsibility for your career and your life and how you show up um, makes a big difference, and that's how Gen Zers can really differentiate their, themselves, right? That person who got slighted by a manager 15 years ago and is still not trusting, right? That's not exhibiting strong self-leadership, right? That's blaming the other person. It's even reactive. If it's blaming exactly. And so I think that's a really powerful message to Gen Zers is, look, you can, you can really step into it. And I think that they do, right, with their commitment to purpose and their commitment to um, the environment and the things that they care about. But- I don't know, that, that just re really resonated with me when you shared that example. Well, Carrie, you know, Gen Z has so much access <laughs> to resources compared to, I mean, I'm a millennial, right? Uh, geriatric millennial, as they call us. But, I mean, gosh, they have, they grew up with YouTube and, and Google. I mean, I remember when Google came out, it was like I was in college, right, when it became actually really good. So they have so many podcasts and YouTube videos to listen to. And, and they've shown it. That's what I love about Gen Z. They're such a strong generation. They figure things out. It's a, as a college professor, some of the, you know, I have them do business plans, right, for their final project. And I had students calling vendors to see, like, what the cost would be for, for their forecast. I'm just, like, blown away, right, of, like, how resourceful this generation is. I think just with some coaching, right, to just anytime you're starting work, they're going to make, your, they're your competitive advantage. So I, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. And, and it, it's just, they're such a great generation. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's talk a few minutes about your sure. book. You have your, your book is it getting ready to come out soon. Yeah. So the correct? plan is, as we deal with supply chain delays, right? <laughs> Which could be part of the great resignation. It's kind of ironic, right, Carrie? Because we're talking about this in our book and it's going to be delayed probably because of the great resignation, but um, it's supposed to be out by the end of the year. And we did a national study and, um, and I actually been studying Gen Z since 2017 or earlier, right? About what they want from their employers after the pandemic. And so it's about how to work with them, 
how to recruit them, how to retain them, and how to lead them. And the first half of the book is literally how Gen Z came about. So we talk about the impact of technology. And just, we, Carrie, we just don't want people to make the same mistakes when millennials entered the workforce, <laughs> right? Uh, which we saw, you know, flipped it upside down. So we want to make sure that it's just to create empathy for this generation. And then it's also a two-way street, though. So it's not just everyone needs to adapt to the new generation, Gen Z listening, you know, get to know your older, the older generations in the workplace. It's a two-way street. And that's what's helped me be successful. My career is getting to, yeah, sometimes, yeah, going into the office is important to baby boomers, right? In my career or, or some of the older Gen Xers, and they want to see me working when I probably could have done a lot of that from home, but I was trying to meet them halfway and that helped me get promoted faster, right? So. Yeah, that's great advice. So what is the title of your book and can people pre-order it? How can they find it? So it's not available for pre-order yet. Be very soon. We have workingwithgenzbook.com. Um, they could go to my website, drsantor.com as well. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's called Working With Gen Z, right? So it's just really the future future workforce. Um, and I could, I could send you the links if you want to put it in your show notes, if you like. Yeah, I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah perfect. And then you said you're working on book number two. Yeah, so, so book number that. two is interesting, Carrie. Uh, I think you'll really like it. It's called uh, The Zillennial Leader. And it's I know Zillennial is a, a micro generation. That's not the purpose. It's a, a leadership book for how to, for how to guide for first-time emerging leaders for Gen Zs and millennials. So I just combined them as saying it's inclusive for both generations. And um, I actually interviewed over 100 millennial leaders Um in all different types of fields. So a lot of them won Forbes 30 under 30, folks from education, uh, council members, project managers, military. Uh, it's just so cool. So did all those interviews and then I launched a podcast because I said, okay, well, all those interviews are done before the pandemic. So I need to catch up with these people to see what changed. Right? How did they endure during the pandemic? How did the leadership style change? So my podcast is essentially a bridge from the interviews I did before to where we are today. So the, I'm working on the manuscript now. It's a how to get. We have um, how to lead yourself, which is what we talked about, right? Self leadership, um, and then how to lead others, and then how to lead with an organization. So that's actually the, the structure of my podcast too. So we actually have someone coming on tomorrow on the podcast who's a director of. Um, she does studies workplace. Uh, the actual like physical workplace for Gensler. So she's going to talk about generation, how different generations prefer to be in physical space of work or the offices, which is pretty interesting. So, Very so yeah, cool. that's it. And is your podcast the same thing? The Zillennial? yeah, it's called Zillennial Leader. Yeah, and and they could find that from my my website, drsantra.com. Uh, I think it's like forward slash podcast, and I'll I'll send it cool. to you too. Yeah from the show notes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll include all that. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Good. So anything interesting that you learned from the second book? Um... I love, and I, I can't say this, you know, because I didn't study Gen Xers or baby boomers, but I love how much the millennial leaders I interviewed care about their team. I mean, they care about them like a family. And Carrie, I mean, it sounds like you, you do the same thing, right? So I don't want to say it's only millennials, but just what I saw was they care so much about their team. And if they do, if they have a crappy day, that's going to let their team down. So I noticed that with a lot of them. I noticed that a lot of them said the only way they would work for one company the entire career was if it provided them professional growth and development. So anyone listening, make sure you have a lot of those opportunities for growth. Um, and it could be job rotation programs. Or you, and that's another thing I recommend for Gen Zers too. 
is look for, look at job rotation programs and also it helps them learn the business better so then they could they'll look yeah. at it with a different lens too so th those are the biggest takeaways yeah. and there'll be a lot more i'm sure yeah that i'm putting together but those uh those are some of the biggest ones cool well i can't wait to read both books, yeah and so. i can't wait to wait to read yours as well <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it has similar kind of framework. Um, uh, mine is called the ownership mindset, which of course uh, comes from um, running an employee owned company and the own it mindset, but it kind of follows that same thing, right? Of leading yourself, leading others, and then making a big impact in the world. So, um, so and we use the same publisher. Yep. So that's a, that's a lot of fun. Shout out to <laughs> Amplify, right? Oh yeah. They're awesome. Definitely. I love, I love them. <laughs> that's great. All right, two final questions before we sure. wrap things up. So the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward. What does Reflect Forward mean to you? That's a great question. I think really, first of all, being president, right, today, and then just, and I guess one of my top strengths is futuristic. So I'm always looking at, I think they have uh, one of the seven habits, right, is to begin with the end in mind. So that to me is huge. Um, where do I, what's my impact in this world, right? At, at the end of my life, right? So I, I would say backtracking from whatever that is would be reflecting forward. I don't know if that's, yeah, I love that. yeah. So that's one of my favorite books, Seven Habits. That's great. You know, and we don't, it's hard to direct our lives when we don't know where we want to go. And so being able to say, well, I think this is what I, where I want to be. You know, it's so important to be able to start living your life today. Like I just read, it was a fun, I don't remember what it was from, but anyway, a little quote or something was like, think about the person, ah, Mel Robbins. It was a oh, Mel yeah. Robbins video. Uh, if you think, if whoever you want to be, start acting like you're that person today. Yeah. And I love that, right? When I, I was named CEO when I was 29 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. and was like, well, but you know, you start thinking and acting like a CEO and you will learn those things. And so I do think that's an important aspect of Reflect Forward is creating that that vision for yourself and then start doing those things today to make it happen. Well, Carrie, you know, I'd like to add one thing, you know, looking at a lot of the young people, they don't, they don't know what, sometimes they don't know what they're going to do. And that's okay, right? Is just think about like, for me, it's like making the most impact, being the best dad, being the best husband. And hey, it may go this way, it may go left, it may go right, and that's okay. So even that's, I like to add that to a lot of the younger folks who are listening or, or older folks, right? But hey, we're still trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. That's okay. Is as long as we have purpose in life, right? We're, we're taking care of the people that we, we love and we're, we're just being a good, good human being. I think things will work themselves out. So if you don't know what you want to do, that's okay too. Totally. And your purpose will change too. Yeah. My purpose you know, 10 years ago was different than what my purpose is now as I've matured as a leader. And that's just part of that journey. Yeah. And if you don't know what you want to, you know, do or where, where you want that to go, you know, just put something that's small out there. Like even just a small step in an intentional direction helps you. And you never know what doors are going to open. Like I put out, put out there, like I want to run for governor of Colorado. And um, I don't know if I'm going to actually do that because politics these yeah. days. Oh, <laughs> and my husband's not super supportive of it. But you know, I was like, I'm going to start putting, he's like, why would you want to do that? Uh, but I start putting those things out there, right? And saying, I'm going to start building out the platform that I'm ready for. So if I decide to do it, I'm ready. But the doors that it has opened because I've been intentionally just saying, I got to do these things if I think that's what I might want to do someday, even though I'm not 100% sure. It's been incredible. So I always just tell people, even if it's a big audacious thing that you don't really know, 
if you put it out there and you start taking steps towards it, all kinds of paths will open and it might take you, you know, down a completely different one, but be a really, um, you know, be really insightful or helpful or meet amazing people along the way. And just be open-minded, right? I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. All right. Final sure. question. Uh, what is the best piece of advice that you have for leaders who are looking to be the very best at what they do? That's such a great question, Carrie. Um, I would say listening and and listening to the to the folks you that you work with rather than just talking over people. <laughs> Not to say all leaders do that, but if you really listen, gosh, it, you'll learn so much. Uh, and, 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 and be humble, right? I think, uh, listening and humility, I'm not saying to not be confident, but I think be approachable has helped me in my career, but listening is, is key. I love that. Almost nobody gives that answer. And I agree with you completely. <laughs> well, it's something I learned in my career because Carrie, one of the biggest things for me is I love getting things done, right. And, and, uh, achieving tasks. And I found that to be the most productive is, I mean, I'm an extrovert, as you could probably tell, and I talk a lot, as maybe my wife might say. Um, but listening has made the biggest impact, and and actually listening, not thinking of your next word, but actually listening and asking questions, and it just shows that you're present and and turn your cell phone face down or move it away. That's also not listening when you're on your phone. <laughs> so that's that's the other tip too. <laughs> my son tells me all, all the time. Mom, you're not listening yeah. to me. You're on your phone. Yeah. So that's a good reminder. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, I'm not going to say I'm perfect either. Right. So it's, it's taking off the Apple watch and putting the phone away and, and, and just being present. So I agree. Well, Santa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has just been a fabulous interview. Um, and I've loved getting to know you so definitely. Much. <laughs> I feel like a new friendship is, uh, is here, right? It's, it's been great. And I just appreciate all that you do for your company. I mean, people that work there are very lucky and I think you're going to attract lots of Gen Zers. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I will read your book so I make sure that I know just You're, exactly you're doing all the right it. things that I'm saying in my book. So it's, it's great. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, hang tight, everyone. I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Santer. Such a great guy. Uh, really, really look forward to getting to know him better. Definitely check out his website and his uh, speaking events. I'll share all that in the show notes. And with that, I will leave you for until next week. I hope you have a great day. And if you like this podcast, please like it, write a review, share it, rate it. All of those help with the algorithms. Thanks so much. Have a great day. See you next week. Oh,